The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Skinny are helping you show how smart you are with the 1Q Quiz, an all-new, super-challenging and super-quick daily quiz built by The Spin-Off. Every Monday, Skinny are giving you the chance to prove you're smart with the Skinny Extra Credit question. Get it right, and you'll get the chance to score yourself some Skinny Extra mobile credit so you can text, call, or even video call your group chat and gloat about how big your brain is. T's and C's apply. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix Podcast. Tune in today. Kia ora tato, this is Toby Manhai with another episode of your friendly local politics podcast, Gone by Lunchtime. What you're about to hear is part of the Gone by Lunchtime Megapod, a 12-hour epic event recorded on September 20 at Spinoff HQ. Enjoy. Kia ora tato, this is the Spinoff Election 2023 Megapod. I'm Toby Manhire. This hour we have Victoria University Associate Professor Lara Greaves on board to talk about the Maori role, the impact of harassment, pros and cons of opinion polling. But first, with me in the studio at Spinoff HQ, James Shaw. Kia ora, James. Kia ora. In the last um, part of this megapod, we had an Auckland Central debate, mm. and I left the room for some of it. Yes. Um, and so I'm going to do that with you <laughs> And now. your question was, did for, anybody notice? For 20, oh, yeah, very good. <laughs> for 20 minutes, I'm going to leave the room and just leave you to... Well, you'd probably be fine. You'd probably yeah, just like, do the stump speech, Just ask you? me a question about the emissions trading scheme and then come back 20 minutes later. <laughs> and watch good. the numbers on the YouTube. Die. Talk about a sinking lid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh, that's a good climate gag. Um, now, the thing we're asking everybody who takes part in this adventure, three questions that everybody is being uh, is obliged to ask. I stupidly forgot to ask Debbie Ngaru Packers. We might have to might have to text her and find out from her. The first question is to go into win uh, a box of chocolate fish. <laughs> Ooh. Can you please guess what the turnout will be for election twenty twenty three? I'm gonna say. No, sorry. Are you sure about that? No, no, no. I'm not sure about that. No. 79.7? Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Good. Uh, The what's your what's your what's your political TV show of choice? If you had to go to a desert island, you could take one of you know whether it's a West Wing or a Thick of It or a Yes Minister or whatever. Yeah. Oh well, actually, now that you say that, probably actually Yes Minister. I think like it was the original and still still the goodie. I I mean I loved the West Wing, Hmm. um, but I went back. Did you believe it when you watched it? At the time, yeah. sure, but it yeah. was it, this was is it the inspirational thing. to you. I mean, seriously, yes. was it? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, right. yeah. And it, but the problem is, it's aged badly, right? Yes. So it's because it, it really was it a really show is. for that time. And I because I, I went back and I tried to watch it again recently, uh, and I was like, I can't, I can't watch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. too much. Yeah, well, it was. It, yeah, it just it just represented a like the whole mood of the world was 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 different, you know. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. We could talk about that for half an hour, but we won't. Let's instead talk about Mojo, which has been one of the motifs of the campaign. Yeah. You might have heard Christopher Luxon, the next Prime Minister, talk about how New Zealand has lost its mojo mm-hmm. and needs to get it back. I'm interested to know from you, as we've been asking others in this scientific survey, 
where your personal mojo level is this minute, zero being all gone, absolutely expired, no mojo, don't know where it is, 10 being it's just, it's just, it's just flowing everywhere. You can barely breathe, you're so surrounded in mojo. Mine goes all the way up to 11. Oh, is that really, is that really what you want to say? <laughs> your mojo is 11? Well, <clears throat> I thought that you'd get the movie reference. The Spinal Tap reference I exactly. got. Exactly, yeah, okay, good. But yeah. you, weren't, you weren't giving me anything there. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but do you want to say 11? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, okay. look, I mean, no, I'm, I'm actually, no, look, people keep, uh, this is, it's sort of an odd thing. I just for, want you to be honest. Yeah. I just want you to be honest. I'm feeling really good about it, Toby. Okay. Our campaign is in better shape okay. than any, I've done six election campaigns now. I'm uh, less worried, more relaxed, happier with our performance than I've been at any previous election campaign. I think we're on, uh, we're on a roll, frankly, and I, and I think that we're going to, um, probably end up with more green MPs than we have ever had before. Hmm. Um, I think that we'll end up with how many? Two or th- um, you know, fifteen. So what's that? My... Is that like eleven percent, eleven and a half percent? Yeah, 11, eleven to twelve. It's sort yeah, of yeah. it's one of those things. It depends a lot on what's going on with the wasted vote and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But you know, somewhere between eleven and twelve. Yeah. Um, and and I reckon we're going to win. You know, um, two or three electorate seats, and so having more green MPs and you know, more than one electorate seat would be absolutely an historical election for us. Uh, and so I'm feeling really good about it. Yeah. It's, I mean, how different would it be whether that intake is in a governing arrangement or an opposition? I mean, you can oh, treat this as an abstract question if you sure. like. Like, yeah. I mean, a, a big caucus is a good thing for any party, yes, obviously. Yes, yeah. What difference does it make? I mean, arguably, it's harder to 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 introduce induct a new group of people when you're in a governing arrangement. Yes, it is, and and you know we've had that situation in the last couple of terms as well. So I've got some experience in what that looks like. But we're going to have quite a big intake this time. I mean, you know, it could be half our caucus. Uh, pretty much would be new MPs. Um, look, the the big difference is the more MPs we have, then the more ministers we will have because you you know the number of ministers that you get is proportional to the number of MPs you get, um, and so. That is what you don't get any if you're in opposition. Have I got that right? Though? You, you don't get any no, minister. No, that's any right. No, I think you probably so. know that yeah, one. Well, yeah, and and I've got Andrew Giddis on letters. So I might check right. them. <laughs> Just in case. I'm sorry, sure he'll sorry, have Karen, a view. Karen. He'll be like, well, on the one hand, yeah. um, but no, we 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 um, uh, yeah. So so that's that is the big difference. Uh, it is really important, I think, to ensure that you've got uh, someone who's got some experience who is able to support those new MPs and and to kind of help them get their feet under the table and make the massive life adjustment from being, you know, kind of a civilian to mm. being a member of parliament. Um, um, but ultimately, you know, it's, I mean, that's just kind of part of what happens, right? As, as you bring new MPs in, if you get into government, you get ministers, great. Did you watch the debate last night? No. Why not? I was at another event. You're not interested? Well, look, I sort of had a feeling of how it was going to go. <laughs> uh, and... Um, and I also, and like I did read some of the post-match analysis this morning and yeah. it went pretty much how I thought it was right. going to go. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I was at this other event um, and that was a better use of my time, frankly. I've got a page up here that I just, um, there's a, an article on the excellent website newsroom.co.nz mm-hmm. and it's a picture of an infrastructure debate. Oh, yeah. And it looks, it looks like it could be, you see that there? Uh, yeah. You see that there? I, yeah, five bros. Five bros in suits. Camera. You see that 
this is high tech stuff here. That that looks like one of the circles of hell. Was it terrible? <laughs> was it as bad as it looks like no, in that photo? No, it actually wasn't. And, that, and that, I mean, in part, that's due to Tover O'Brien's excellent moderation. Um, it, but it, one of the things that's quite fascinating about the debate around infrastructure is it's one category of all of the issues that we all have to worry about during an election campaign. Yeah. It is really important, critically important, because basically everything else depends on it where there's actually quite a lot of similarity between what the different parties think about it. And, of course, right. during, during election, campa- election campaigns are designed to highlight differences. And so in some of those debates, I, th- I think the incentive for politicians is to kind of overemphasize, well, we're going to do it better or differently, blah, blah, sure. blah. And actually you just find out that the current team are kind of doing what the next team were planning to do and, you know, and then everyone's pretending that there's this great divide and actually there isn't. Like we all know we need tons more infrastructure. We all know that's going to be expensive. We all know we need to finance it differently. You know, so um, it, in that in that sense, it was actually one of the more civilised debates that I've been a part of. Nice. Um, the, did you, we talked about West Wing before and that yeah. being an interesting, formative, yeah. important, formative experience for you. What about, what did you have on climate change? Did you have an epiphany going way back into you? Was there a moment where it kind of clicked for you when you thought this is the thing that I kind of want to devote m- most of my adult life to? Was yeah. There, was there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't sort of like, ah, uh, epiphany type thing, but I was doing uh-huh. a, I was doing a uh, master's degree in the UK and I'd been doing some work. Now, there's before. a bit of, bit, of, bit, of, bit of dispute about your Oh, you need to your, stay your off your Telegram account there. Your credentials on, on the uh, LinkedIn there. We'll, 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 come, we'll come to that. But the, I, was doing, I was doing this degree, yeah. and I'd, I had been doing work uh, with businesses around climate change, but I'd never kind of fully engaged with it. And it was kind of during the course of that we had, you know, guest lectures who are some of the kind of top climate scientists and policy people and economists uh, in the world, and the thing that kind of grabbed me about it was the, the kind of realization that climate change is the ultimate threat multiplier, right? So, you want to save the whales? Great, you can do that. But if we don't fix climate change, the whales are gone anyway. You know, and and no matter what you care about in life, you know, if you're a social justice person or you're someone who you know is kind of more about we need a rock solid economy or you know whatever. All of that is at risk with the climate crisis. And so to me, it just kind of became the obvious thing of like, well, you know, if I want to make a contribution with my life, the thing that I need to focus on is climate change. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. One of the challenges in journalism and in politics is making people 
interested in, in climate change. Mm. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. Parts of it are. You know, the, the, it's depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you? How do you do that? What's your? How do you approach that problem in terms of trying to? Yeah, I think there's okay. So, in fact, I actually I gave a speech yesterday to uh, the Climate Change and Business Conference um, in Auckland, and that was actually literally the job was to kind of engage people in it in a way that's like acknowledges the reality. Very, very, very bad. That was your task with the speech to achieve that or to discuss that issue? No, my speech was to inspire hope in the face of all these consequences that we're dealing with. And so I think the way to do it is to kind of relate it to people's actual lived experience, right? So you can talk about economic instruments and hockey stick graphs and melting ice, but nobody relates to any of that. It doesn't impact them. But what, what does impact them is when every time it rains in Auckland these days, people kind of like spike with adrenaline and think, shit, do I need to run home and like rescue my grandpa uh, who's in a wheelchair and, and and get him up to the top floor, you know, because that's what people had to deal with. And that, so there's this phrase now called rain trauma, hmm. uh, you know, here after, after those anniversary day floods and after Cyclone Gabriel. Um, and so I think if you kind of start there and, and you kind of anchor people in their actual lived experience which actually, frankly, is mostly a negative one. But then where I go with it is, because I, I obviously read all the bad news, right? But one of the great privileges of my job as climate change minister is I also get to see all the good news that most people don't get to see, right? So I get to see what's going on with the adoption rate of electric vehicles in this country, which is going gangbusters. I get to see that our coal imports are the lowest that they've been in at least a decade. I get to see uh, all the kind of amazing innovations that are kind of coming on stream as different kind of entrepreneurs and engineers and so on kind of try and work out different fixes for different parts of the problem. I get to see all the community groups that are doing really cool work, you know, in their communities, helping to ensure that people are safe and well when the floods come, all, all of that kind of stuff. And that gives me hope, right? And so I kind of feel like a big part of my job is to kind of go, yeah, I know that your lived experience of this is grim. I know that every time you turn on the telly or open one of your news apps, it's just full of horrendous news from around the world. But things are changing. And I know, I, you know, we've taken a really long time to get started. And, it, and it's a huge amount of effort to kind of get that flywheel turning. But it is starting to turn. We are building up momentum. And, and you should have hope in that, right? And, and it's not that kind of groundless hope, which is like, oh, it'll all work out one day, you know, like that sort of faith. But, but hope that's grounded in action and seeing change happen. And I think when people, you know, like, you know, the EV thing, that was an action that some people could take that they knew would make a difference and they took it. Right. And, and so that is like, great, I can be a part of this. If someone's, you know, um, working in an office building and they kind of talk to the manager about, you know, can we stick solar panels on the roofs? And, you know, that's kind of it's that thing about taking of lots of people doing lots of little things that together collectively add up to making mm. a difference. Mm. And that's what gives people hope is the sense of like, actually, I know we've been talking about this for three decades, but as I go around, I can see things are changing, physically changing in ways that are good uh, and, and that point towards the future. I mean, the, the other side of that coin is that people are most engaged when 
terrible things are happening. Right. Yes, you know, so yeah. there's that, there's that, and that, that, then there's the whole adaptation part of the puzzle too. But, yeah. but for example, you know, the world, the, the, the weather attribution organization, there's yeah. one main group run out of, um, is it King's College or, so, or yeah. maybe, anyway, in, in London, but there's a bunch of people around the world and they're committed now to working as fast as they can with a group of scientists yeah. to ascertain the extent to which or the likely extent to which. Uh, climate change has contributed to a weather event. And yeah. it's interesting because sometimes you have to be, you know, the, the responsible thing to do is to say sometimes, maybe not so much, you know, even if it's terrible, because terrible weather has always happened. And, yes. and the worst thing is when people overplay that, I think, particularly. But yes. it is, it is. I mean, that that's not so much the hope part of the equation, but it is the kind of, here's the reality part yes. of the equation. And I think, I mean, I sort of wonder whether, like one of the things I've wondered about is whether there needs to be, someone needs to come up with like a Richter scale Oh, you know, yeah. for for climate climate impact, yeah. so you can say, you know, that that that, that was that, a four. That flood yeah, that yeah. was a four on the yeah. attribution scale or yeah. whatever. So you yeah. sort of start to have these points of access for yeah. people in an area that is otherwise feels so technical, complicated, inaccessible. You know, it's a great it's a great idea. Um, uh, and uh, you know, I'll talk to some because we've got people here in New Zealand who do that for weather events here in New Zealand, yeah. right? So they will say. I'm trying to remember uh, the exact example, but there was something that occurred in the last year or so, and it wasn't uh, the cyclone. Like there was a report into the Nelson. Yeah, maybe Nelson it was that. A while ago. Yeah, 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 and they and they said, yeah, that was about twenty percent worse yeah. as a result of climate change. They do. Right? They do. How much worse? Yes. and How much more likely? That's right. More, yeah, that's two, right. More, the two, the two yes, that's right. Yeah, Frequency yeah. and severity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, um, yeah. So we've and we're actually getting quite sophisticated with that. Uh, that kind of work now, and and that is that is useful because, of course, you know half the debate is you've got these old codgers who are like, oh, we've always had storms," you know, yeah. and that's true. that's true. We have, and yeah. some of them have been really bad and they've killed people. Mm. Um, but the issue now is that yes, they are occurring more frequently and they are more severe than they have ever been, um, and and so that yeah. But but to me, that's not about you, you know because. I think you're right in that sense of this can be very, very depressing. And when people just go on switch off and hide under their duvet, right, and kind of like wake me up when the crisis is over. And actually we need people to engage. And that's why we need to tell the truth about what's happening, but not in a way that's, you know, overly frightening. Because well, we don't need to amplify that because actually it's – that that story tells itself. The apocalypse it's, is playing you out exactly, without your help. Exactly. You know, that's right. <laughs> you, don't need to, you don't need to kind of do that. But it is really important that we give people hope, you know, and that's why a lot of the time, you know, I talk about actually in New Zealand, our emissions have come down in 2020, 2021, 2022, in the December quarter last year, we think at the moment, it's initial data, um, but we think was was probably the lowest it's been this century. Right. And that, you know, when people hear that, they're like, oh my God, we've never heard that before because... Every other year, it's gone up, right? Uh, and and so I'm like, yeah, all that effort, it's working. Things are changing. Another thing that's gone down, and the and the numbers out this morning is the, the Ipsos issues monitor. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've caught up with that. You know, they do it every sort of I think three or four months. Yeah, I I, I haven't kind of looked at it in detail, but there was a lot of blue on the page that I saw. There's a there's a lot of blue, and that what what you mean by that is that they they give you the sort of 10 subjects that are ranked yeah. as most important by people and then which party is considered 
best equipped to deal with it, basically. And it's an interesting. It's like a. It's like it's like a board in an airport, and you see yeah. it, and it's kind of it's it's quite a powerful indicative uh, uh, device to see how things are going. Yeah. One of the things in this result is that that climate change, which had which had got up into the top five, which is quite unusual in the, in the for example in the Australian version they yeah. do, but it's now fallen out again. Yeah. And this is a story we've heard throughout the election. It's a cost of living yeah. election. It's all about the economy. I mean, does that make it harder for you? I mean, that's what that people. You, I mean, you you're you're quite upbeat. Um, yeah. Your mojo is off the chart. Yeah. But people are people are talking about cost of living. It's a very yes. deal with the stuff that's right in front of me right now. It's yeah. too important. I think that there's two things. One of which is, um, I think that the National Party have been very disciplined about their messaging and just making sure that the campaign is framed entirely on their terms. Right. So I think that they've been very strong on that. That's as it you know as it always is in, in election campaigns. But I think the really critical thing is actually people are feeling it right now. You know, people are experiencing higher rents, higher mortgage rates, you know, cheese at $16 a kilo. You know, th- th- that's very, very real for people. Mm. And they don't care why that is, you know, and there are, there are good reasons for why that is, but so what? You know, that like that is my day-to-day experience. And I just think we need to kind of, recognise the reality of that. That's actually, if you look at the Green Party campaign, we've put out seven big policy initiatives. Only one of them, which is the one around oceans, uh, was not a cost of living related policy. Everything else was about lifting incomes or reducing household costs in ways that also happen, happen to reduce pollution, make our towns and buildings more resilient to the storms and floods and so on and so forth. So we were trying to, in this one, we kind of said, well, actually, we've got to be where people are, you know, and we do need to deal with the long-term challenges that we're facing, like climate change. But we need to we need to offer something at this election, which is here is a solution to climate change that can make your life right better, right a lot better right now. Um, and, and, and I think we've kind of made the right call there because people are clearly responding to it. Do you, in terms of, you put out your numbers quite early, a sort of your fiscal plan yeah. and greens. Uh, do you have to recalculate those based on preview? Are you going to? Uh, no. Why not? No. Um, because the uh, the um, there was very little in our numbers that came out of future allowances. And, of course, preview is the one, you know, like if, if – like national, for example, if you were calculating on the base, if you're calculating your, your um, fiscals on the basis of future allowances, prefer put quite a big hole in those in those future allowances, so it, it affects that. What we were looking at was the idea of increasing revenue uh, it, through our wealth tax, right? And then what that does uh, is it enables you to pay for the um, Income-free tax threshold of ten thousand dollars. But that doesn't we put that out. all include? Doesn't it bake into it forecasts about about revenue? Yeah, it need? does. But yeah, yes, of course it does. That's a, it's kind of literally the point the, of it. That but shift with the preview, right? Yeah, they yes they do. But but the point that we're making, and, th- and this is my problem with the kind of the National Party's numbers, is that they're kind of based on assumptions that are kind of wildly incorrect. We were basing our assumptions on additional an additional revenue stream. Uh, from asset values, which are currently untaxed, unlike anywhere else in the OECD, uh, and to say, well, we will actually bring in the additional revenue uh, in that way uh, in order to fund the 
um, kind of, not not everything, but the kind of the main chunks of of what it is that we that we're sort of putting out at, at this election. And there are some things that actually aren't about money, right? So you know the ocean uh, package that we put out was largely a kind of regulatory tool, right? It's about you know ensuring that we've got the adequate protections in place across a third of the ocean by 2030, blah blah blah. So that stuff doesn't actually cost a great deal um, of of additional revenue. Um, thank you, James Shaw, for coming in. I know you have to go. I think you're off to Orehanga. I am. I am. Yes, we're off to uh, look at a house, um, which is uh, one of the people who uh, is kind of doing what it is that we want to do with our clean power payment. So, you know, before I was just saying, here's a solution to climate change that also helps to make your life better right now. Solar panels, a bit more insulation. That that's stuff. right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, look, enjoy that. Thank you for coming and good luck with the rest of the campaign. Thanks for having me. This is the spin-off election 2023 Megapod back with Lara Group said. Thanks for listening. There's plenty more where this came from on your Gone By Lunchtime feed. Thanks to Jane, Te Ihe and Samuel and the rest of the team at the spin-off for making the Megapod happen. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.